Hello, and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager, Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson, the king of color. Rob, how you doing? We're going to... Uh, I'm doing really good today, Wayne. How about you? I'm doing fantastic, as you know. Um, I uh, This is going to be uh, an interesting podcast. We're uh, going to talk about inexpensive ways to customize a floor. But before we start that, I have to share with you, Rob, uh, one of the coolest experiences I've had in a long, long time. Um, I got, a, you know, on, on Facebook... Uh, Years, two years ago, a guy reached out to me, and I had—I didn't even know he reached out to me. I, he left me a message, and I, um, one day I was just kind of just flipping back through the messages and anything that I missed or whatever, and I saw this message from a guy named George Smith, and he said, "Could you be the same Wayne Highlander I went to school with in in England, in the fifth grade?" And uh, he's like the only kid I remember from my class. I mean, by name, I'm you know I remember faces, but uh, George Smith was a really good friend of mine. And, uh, so, um, last, uh, weekend, uh, he lives in Atlanta now and I was in Atlanta and we went out to dinner and, uh, hadn't met the guy since the fifth grade. And, uh, he went on to be a pilot in the air force and, uh, played professional soccer for a while. And, uh, wonderful, just as, re- just as good a guy as I remember him back in the fifth grade, still looks, you still see the same, same guy there. And, uh, uh, a lot of good memories that we we're both military families and, stationed to a lot of different places in our lives and uh uh through the power of uh of the internet got a chance to have dinner with them and uh, has a wonderful family and uh very successful and uh uh really a treat for me was he disappointed i had to be no <laughs> hey, you know here's hey, a, this here, guy this guy's a an astronaut he's a professional soccer player but but you are the national sales manager for Bone Adhesive, so... Well, he thinks I'm an astronaut. That's going to stack right up again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he thinks I'm an astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> when it, when I found out he was a pilot, that's why he always let the other guy go first. <laughs> I was with my brother one time, and, and his stupidest mistake I've ever seen, uh, we're, we went fi- we, we saw the guys in the morning, strangers, talking to him at the dock before we went fishing. We come back in, we see him, we're both loading up our trucks, and... The, and uh, the guy says, "How'd you do?" And Doug says, "Oh, we got we got a limit five fish. How'd you do?" And the guy goes, "Oh, we got eighteen of them." I thought, "Why, why, why would you go first, Doug?" I mean, <laughs> you never throw your cards out there in a the table like that. But when I found out he was a pilot, well, you know, no, nah, I'm kidding. He's a super good guy. And uh, how do he find you? Uh, on Facebook. Uh, Actually, I, did, I didn't have a picture of me from the fifth grade, oh, too. Oh, that's right. You said fifth Yeah, and he sent me a picture. What's that? He sent me a picture from uh, our fifth grade uh, class. And um, so, yeah, it was really, really pretty pretty cool and special. To, uh, yeah, yeah, here's the reason why, Rob. When you grow up in the military, uh, you probably have never been to a high school reunion. You probably don't know people more than one to three years in your life growing up. You don't see anybody again. You go from place to place. And uh, those relationships you have as kids that other people have, you know, they, you know, it was weird when I went to a civilian school and everybody knew each other their entire lives. It doesn't work like that in the military. So uh, it was really uh, pretty cool to uh, connect with a guy. And so it had to be even tougher on you with the red hair thing. Well, it makes you tough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it makes you tough. <laughs> 
Listen, uh, if you want to uh, experience a tough childhood, have red hair, move a lot, join the band and ROTC with an ROTC haircut. That's a tall mountain to climb. I know I've asked you this before. What did you play in the band? A saxophone, tenor sax. You know, do you still have one? No, I, I hated it. And um, I quit playing. Well, I quit at the beginning of the year. There's no way we could get you to come on and, you know, play a little something. Oh, I could I could, I could, could do that, but it would be gibberish. Um, <laughs> real quick, and I don't know if we have time for this, but uh, so uh, I played tenor sax in the seventh grade in Michigan at, at – uh, 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 Pembroke High School, uh, and I only played because my brother played. I moved to Kentucky, and um, I actually didn't learn anything in the seventh grade. I was it was a tough tough school. I just kind of got by. I really learned nothing about the saxophone. It was that kind of band class. Um, you know, there's nothing more painful when the first year band class starts starts performing together for the first few times. It's, it's the worst sound you've ever heard in your life. So I faked my way through the year, and when I moved to Kentucky. It's the first time I've been around a civilian kids. They knew each other their whole life. So when the teacher said, um, uh, "We got a new, we got a new student. What do you play?" I said, "A tenor sax." Well, everybody started clapping. Apparently, they needed a tenor sax player, and um, uh, so she gave me the tenor sax and the reed. She go ahead and told me to play some scale, and I started, you know, like like you know, like I was getting ready to to kill it, right? But I don't know any scales. I had zero. I had nothing. I'd zip. So I said, I, um, I got nothing. So she, <laughs> she said, I, I thought you said you had been before. I said, I did. I absolutely said that. And, uh, I had nothing there. Either. Yeah. So she goes, and you don't know 80 scales. I said, Nope. So, uh, I went back to the guidance counselor said, uh, I gotta get out of band. So that was the end of my career. Uh, so what a life, man. What a life. All right. How are we going to customize these floors, make a ton of money? Yeah, an inexpensive way to do it. An inexpensive way to make a ton of money. You want me to go for it? What do you got for me? Okay. Yeah, you go for it. Okay. Gosh, just by changing stain color and borders. I mean, uh, it's funny. In the room I'm sitting in right now, I got a walnut border. Uh, I did like a, a, a large block pattern floor, and I put a walnut border around it. And honestly... I could have used the same the I could have put a, the same white oak species around for border and it and just water popped it and stained it a dark walnut color and it would look stunning and uh, so just by putting a by changing the stain color for around a room and a, around a fireplace and just tape it off water pop it go with a different color uh, is a great way to take a room that especially if it's a sand and refinish on an existing floor. Uh, very inexpensive way to customize that floor and really di- bring a different pop to the to the room. And that's just with using stain. Just using stain. Just using our bone and dry fast stain. Um, Wayne, not only do we have 26 colors in a can, but they're also all blendable. And one of the cool things we show at the schools, too, is it's also blendable with our court lines game line paint that we use in sport, the oil-based paint. So you can take a ratio of two parts natural stain and one part paint, and we can give you any color you want. So you want to talk about opening up the color spectrum 
because I know that's what it's about now. You know, everything, everybody who comes to the schools, that's what they're looking for. That's what they're all talking about Yep, is that wide range of colors. Um, you know, we have guys who will add some of the court line paint colors to some of the stains that are already in the can just to give a, a custom color that way too. So there's just, uh, just, just any color, just about any color you can think of, we could probably come pretty close to matching up with. Well, okay. So since we're on the color, we're on the topic of color. Then uh, before I move on to my next one, I, let's talk about the uh, the craft oil with the ceruzing the uh, the the colors. Where you putting uh, one color like a dark one, one on the bottom, and then come back the next coat putting like like a, a light frost color over top of that to give it that two tone look. Uh, I you know I I think that is one of the just prettiest looks out there right now. The other thing too is. Um, you know, a lot of guys like that craft oil look. They want they want that the, that very low sheen level look and what have you. But on the other hand, there's people that want a traditional sand and finish job uh, that they want to put a, a, a finish like traffic over top of. And what you can do with the craft oil is you can put traffic HD or anything in the traffic family over top of it if you want. And so you get that advantage of the uh, very, very low VOCs with the uh, craft oil with a traditional sand and finish job. And... Uh, so it's kind of nice to be able to have the option there. The other thing too, um, when you're doing those two tone floors or ceruzing, am I pronouncing ceruzing right? No, ceruzing. Ceruzing. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I always say two tone. You probably saw a Porsche yesterday. <laughs> uh, when you're doing those two tone floors, why, why, why do people ceruzing. do that? In America, by the way, why why do people say what? Porsche and and stuff like that when this is America and we pronounce it Porsche? That's it, Porsche. I always thought it was Porsche. Yes, yeah. I, I, so I, I've been wrong all these years. Well, who says Porsche? It's like I used to have a friend named, and his name was Renee, and he used to say it, when I first met. I said, uh, "Come again?" He goes, "Yeah, my name is Renee." Uh, he said, "But you can call me Ray." I said, "No." No, it's going to be Renee. <laughs> He's not the guy you went to dinner with, is no, he? No, no. No, his, that was George Smith. I'm sorry. Uh, another thing, Rob, uh, I, that I, I think is a, a really inexpensive way, of, you know, especially a lot of guys have scraps done at, at the end of the job where they, they cut off and they've got a lot of shorts and what have you. It's a real nice way to do like a featured entryway with your scraps and just uh, do like a – uh, herringbone floor, or or you can actually do I, which I, I love a basket weave floor. It's so inexpensive, easy to do, and uh, and especially if you, if you don't do a lot of them on an entryway, it's just a really classy way to uh, to, to to you know uh, make a room pop, uh, and and the the materials don't cost you anything usually because it just uh, you know you can do it out of scrap wood a lot of times, uh, and uh, especially if you have leftover exotics. Let's, let's say it's a wood you. Uh, maybe it's a Santos mahogany. You don't do a lot of them. Well, on the on the next job, even to do use it for uh, around a fireplace, just a simple design. It doesn't have to be. You know, I, I love some of these floors that are way over the top. I like all that stuff too, but I also like a very understated, very elegant, very you know, uh, classy uh, room with just small, simple design elements. And 
around a fireplace hearth is a really nice place you can do that. And um, I also like a very much scaled down pattern, like a basket weed, but on a much smaller scale. Um, and you can do that out of a lot of scraps. It doesn't cost a lot of money, but man, it really uh, uh, can be uh, eye candy for a homeowner. And it's such a great portfolio builder too. It totally is on Instagram, and that's the kind of stuff that uh, people love. And and if uh, people love videos on Instagram and Facebook, so uh, a great video shot would be uh, you know when you're sanding that for the first time around that, and that 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 detail comes to life. And isn't that a great? Isn't that one of the uh, absolute benefits of being a hardwood floor guy? Is when you put that sander on a on a custom floor. And you, you that edger, and you've got the you you got the wood filler over it, maybe, and then you're running that sander over it, and it, man, it just just jumps off the floor, man. That has got to be one of the best feelings you get as a tradesman. Uh, like a and and even around around a fireplace, a Celtic knot or something, or just a real small detail. It doesn't have to be much, uh, but when you put that sander on that, the satisfaction you get out of that, and then when you put that stain or finish on top of that. I, I don't know if there's many better feelings that you get in a sense of satisfaction in this trade. And it also lets that homeowner put their signature on their own floor without having to do it. You talk about a customer that's really thrilled, especially if you, if you, you know what, you just let, let's, we could do this for you. We just put in this little detail around the fireplace, something they weren't expecting. And uh, man, and it just shows you care. You know, how much you care about their project and how much uh, it matters to you. What we've been doing at the schools is we take our Super Sport Gray game line paint and mix that in with the Intense Seal. That Intense Seal has just been such a workhorse for us as far as tints and glazes and everything. And it's a really simple ratio. It's a half a cup of the Super Sport game line paint, half a cup to one gallon of the um, intense seal and we apply that you're, you're applying it just like you would the nordic or the natural or amber you know a, a tinted type sealer but we can give you any any color because like i said of the range of colors that we can achieve with our game line paints whether it's oil base or water base but that gray and it seems to be one that everybody has their eye on at the school so like I said, half a cup of that, and you don't want to go too high on that ratio. It gets a little tougher to work with, but multiple coats gives you different degrees and shades of gray, almost like having uh, a gray Nordic sealer. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful look. Uh, I, I agree. And, and we know grays are going to be in style for a long time. It's not a fad. I mean, they're going to be around for a long time now. Uh, we can tell that by the furniture manufacturers already. The, they order usually two years in advance, and it's going to be around for a while. Another one that I that I really think is an inexpensive way is uh, for stenciling. And um, man, I uh, first did it. We did it on a friend's house, and you know we want to do something unique for her, but you know she wasn't a good enough friend that I was going to actually give her a medallion. But uh, we could do a, a stencil. And uh, you, you can buy them, and there's a lot of custom stencils out there. And I, I have to say, I was kind of into it when we were doing it, but when I saw it done, and then when I saw it like a few years later, it was really, really cool. And uh, I mean, that was a huge deal for her, man. She was thrilled to death. And uh, a lot of times, that checkered, that checkered board square with the black and white, where you stencil them off, 
or tape them off and use different colors uh, is a really cool look. And again, it, even if it's just in an entryway or, or a kitchen or somewhere, uh, really nice uh, to, to showcase a room like that. And doesn't take a lot more time to do it. And um, again, it's a nice upcharge. So stencils, uh, just one tip I have if you're going to do it is we, what I learned is to do the dark colors first when you're doing a stencil. Uh, it just makes your life easier. And um, we did one where we did an iron acetate floor. But uh, uh, actually, I, if, this is how easy it was. I just took a string line and, and did a, you know, a three-foot diameter area that we didn't iron acetate in the middle of the floor. So that the rest of the floors was super dark. And in the, the middle of the floor, we did not um, iron acetate. And there we put the stencil. And gosh, for hardly any material whatsoever, it was a really, really cool look. Uh, did I ever tell you the story of how we had a, a magic stencil on a floor one time? No. The stencils just magically appeared out of nowhere. Was it a footprint? <laughs> <laughs> it was many, many, many footprints. We were uh, we were doing. You ever notice every time that I would bang up a job, it was always with friends or family. I don't know about you, but uh, I know friends and family used to think this is sad. This kid just has he's clueless when he's. Uh, I don't know how he's making five cents. So, anyways, we're we're sanding this buddy's floor upstairs, downstairs, stairs, the whole deal, and we're getting ready to start staining. You know, and it's like a Sunday. And he goes, hey, Linda, Linda made you guys a turkey dinner. Do you want to, do you want to eat or do you want to stay? And I'm like, nah, hell, man, let's eat. And then we'll stay. Well, it's pouring rain outside. And meanwhile, while we're eating this awesome turkey dinner, they had a chocolate lab named Fudge. And he was going in and out of the dog door the whole time. We didn't realize it. So we get all done eating. We go out, we start staining. And all of a sudden... You know, Pete looks at me and he goes, what the hell is that? I go, I don't know. It looks like a paw print. And we kept going. He goes, oh, my God, there's another one. I go, yeah, don't worry about it. They'll go away. You know, that, that stuff goes away. This was before I really knew what you could achieve with water popping and everything, apparently. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we get down the first run. It's still wiping on and wiping off at the time. We get down the first run. I'm like, oh, my God. The dog walked all over everything. So I... Called John in. I go, hey, um, Fudge walked all over the place. I got to get the buffer out and buff the whole place down. And, you know, then we can stain. Anyways, Linda, she comes walking out. His wife comes walking out. She looks at it and she goes, I kind of like it. Can they stay there? I said, you like it? I love it. <laughs> and we stained that whole floor. That dog walked everywhere. They love it. Even when we go over there for a party and cookouts and stuff, the paw prints are still in that floor. The dog passed away a few years back, and they say, oh, every time we see those prints, we think of old fudge. I'll be there. So it was, a, it was a stencil that they got for free. And it did look pretty cool, I will say that. Nice. They personalized the floor for that person, right? Exactly. There you go. Did your job. Um, uh, another Making it look easy, too. Yeah. So you should have should have brought that dog from job to job with you. Still didn't figure out water popping could turn stain dark. How's that one? <laughs> this was back in the eighties, so you know we were just kind of. Um, yeah. Another uh, inexpensive technique is uh, 
uh, I, I love uh, I, I fool around with the scroll saw quite a bit, and I I, uh, I like doing uh, inlays with the scroll saw. I've done quite a few over the years, um, but you don't have to do a huge inlay to make a difference. Again, just a small design in the corner, just corner blocks. You'd be surprised how easy they are that is to do, and how rewarding and how kind of fun it is uh, to take the scroll saw and and do some designs with it. The patterns are easy to find. There's a lot of information out there, but you can really, really make a cool design. Um, just a small little subtle detail in the corners of a room, around a fireplace. Uh, that uh, It's uh, pretty cool. Uh, if you're going to do that, Hegner scroll saw is probably the best one in the in the business. Hegner makes a great scroll, scroll saw. And who, who was that again? Hegner, H-E-G-N-E-R, makes a great scroll saw. Thank you to the people at Hegner. You can send Wayne and I one. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, again, you just keep your scraps. Uh, you can really do some neat detail with it. It doesn't take a lot of time as you would think it does. I mean, I'm not talking about, yes, you can do it in extravagant one that would take you a tremendous amount of time. But you can, for very little money, do little corner details and stuff. That'll be cool. And by the way, um, I love fooling around with epoxies, and uh, if you remember this company, it's called Turtle Feathers. That's the name of the company. Yes, and and we're I, just racking up the sponsors. Yeah, I, I racking up the sponsors today. <laughs> I have a bad memory, but uh, that's a fantastic name because I can always remember that name. Uh, but Turtle Feathers is where I've got epoxies for and uh, from, and um, you can do some really cool stuff uh, with epoxies. And uh, in, in it in also makes your inlay work way easier because you can. In you mean something like a snake crawling into a log coming out with a fish? Yes, that was the one something we like did. That. Yeah, yes. But uh, man, all right, come on. I'm you know that I'm I'm super jealous of that one. Uh, that was a pretty cool floor. Yeah, okay. that was a pretty cool floor you made. That's uh, Jeremiah Strong and myself uh, fooling around with that. That was a fun project. You should that picture's that picture's got to be someplace because I think it was at the BCC convention, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at some convention. Yeah. So there's got to be some pictures online. If you guys are out there uh, listening, you got to see a picture of this floor that um, Wayne and Jeremiah did. It is, it's pretty cool. Yeah, we had a snake coming out of the water through a log and coming out the other side of the log and some other wasn't there like a raccoon too uh there was three two or three raccoons there was a bunch of fish there was a lot of leaves and uh yeah it was a lot of fun but it, and it, i think you did all that stuff the scroll saw the epoxies yeah i learned a lot about on the epoxies on that one but um uh, if you take uh like some leaves and set it in a dark epoxy and by the way um i i mean i've Got one in my house that's lasted for five years now, and it has no shown no sign of wear, cracking, or anything like that. Also, along with turtle feathers, Ecopoxy is a fantastic product to work with. Uh, there's a lot of different ones out there, and believe me, epoxy is a. Well, I've done one that was a disaster because we didn't follow the directions on it. Uh, we didn't honor the dry time, <laughs> um, so do honor the dry time. But Ecopoxy is a very, very friendly product to work with. Oh, man, what are we going to do with all this free stuff? Do you think they're going to send us stuff? Ah, uh, nah, that's okay. <laughs> that's three. That's three shout-outs for new corporate sponsors. Well, uh, maybe I'll work another one in here. Um, another, this is one of, <laughs> this is a, a really, really cool way to take a floor from 1970. I talked about it before, so I'll just say it quick. To bring it up to 2020. 
as uh, just take a regular three quarter, two and a quarter install, sand and finish, and uh, take your Festool track. Thank you, Festool. And uh, and uh, put route joints in or a V groove like every four boards or every five board to give it the illusion of wide plank flooring. And then you can make your own end joints by like every 10 feet or nine feet or eight feet, uh, put a, put an end joint with the uh, same, uh, same, uh, um, uh, V groove. And it gives the overall floor, the illusion that it's a big wide plank floor. And, um, man, you can, from there, you can, you can, you can take your scrapers and pillow out the, uh, the edges with the, uh, with the scraper on the, on the, uh, on the uh, V joints to make it look kind of pillowed out and old. And, uh, if now you take a wire brush and, and, uh, um, uh, wire brush that floor to a nice gray stain. I mean, man, you take a floor that was just an average run of the mill seventies floor and turned it into a showstopper because you don't see the two and a quarter anymore. Now you see wide plank and a really, really cool look. So you're just going to, destroy all the floors that I laid back in the eighties, all my two and a quarter straight strip. Uh, as best I can. <laughs> You're going to, yeah, such a California. Well, that's thing, a, that. See, listen, that's the beauty of the Have art. you done, have you done that? Yeah. Have you done that? Or have you just seen something? No, no. Like, that's I said. We did this. It was a job we did in, in the Oakland Hills. It was stunning. It was, it was just fantastic when it was done. And, um, and my guys are really into it and everything. So, well, we didn't wire brush it. We did everything else. We didn't wire brush it. We pillowed out the edges and stuff and uh, uh, really, really nice looking floor. But see that you talk about your floors in the 80s. I mean, that's the beauty of this industry and sustainability and hardwood floors. Uh, the, the, you know, a floor that's 100, 150 years old, 80 years old, 60 years old, you can bring it up to date in a few days uh, to meet the, the, the core of today or whatever you want. I mean, it's amazing. You'll never be able to do that with any other product out there in the business. No other floor covering can you, you know, reap your investment years that far down the road and, and change it to, to so many different styles and what have you. You can drop in medallions. You can drop in borders. You can. There's so many ways you can customize the floor uh, nowadays. So that's when your investment pays off. Well, I think one of the uh, other cool ways to a cheap way to customize a floor is. Just that I'm always amazed every time we do it at the schools. It just looks so cool. Is that the whole new wire brushing um, with the power drive? That wire brushing, and it, you know, we're talking about inexpensive, but also easy. That's what's crazy about it. I mean, I've met guys who have been wire brushing floors, they're doing it by hand. And you throw the power drive at them now, you know, they're going out and aggressively selling wire brushing now. And that is just. You know, you talked about the ceruse. When you wire brush that floor, that ceruzing is just an amazing look, I think. Yeah, if you want to catch uh, the attention of a designer or, or a high-end clientele, uh, bring in a, a, a nice 4 by 4 sample of a floor that you've wire brushed uh, and maybe ceruzed and what have you, and it is just, man, it still knocks me out. Um, real quick, uh, aniline dyes. Are not very expensive, but your color palette changes dramatically, and uh, you put yourself on a whole nother level uh, with aniline dyes. Now, yes, be aware that uh, they can be challenging to use, but for guys that can master that kind of color, uh, man, it is uh, the depth that you get out of your stains is unreal. And so again, it's just it's all you're doing is mastering a technique that everybody else in the in the in your area may not have. 
and you put yourself on a whole nother level real quick. Uh, also trans tent, trans tents, using trans tents in the intense seal. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's been a game changer too. Yep. Yep. So yes, you know, we can do herringbone floors and chevron floors and we could do a custom medallions and that kind of stuff. And we can buy the exotic, uh, pre-made borders and, and, uh, the Greek key borders and that kind of stuff. But, um, it really, you can do a lot of to a floor without putting a whole lot of money or time into it and, uh, and really get a huge return on it. So, uh, I love seeing these, uh, you know, I get inspired by some of these floors I see on Instagram and some of our customers are doing some of the other floor guys out there. And it's just some of the ways you can, you can, uh, uh, customize a floor for, uh, uh, and you know, separate yourself from everybody else. Okay. So Rob, there's one other technique you can do, which I, I love and I've done it in my own home and I did it in my own home, uh, for, for a different reason though. Uh, I, I love, uh, uh, soldiers in a row border where you turn the boards on the border the short way. And, uh, the reason I did it is my house is like in 1902, it was built and it is like three inches out of square from one side to the other. And, you know, I'm thinking, and I, and I got like a pattern floor in here. I'm going, how am I going to disguise this, man? And where am I going to hide this, you know, this, this, this difference in, uh, you know, uh, being parallel with each other, the walls. And uh, for me, I, I did the soldiers in a row border. You don't see it. Um, and so that's, uh, and I love the look anyhow. I think turning the boards on a border is just, uh, just really cool uh, uh, design to a floor. And it's a great way to get a lot rid of a lot of shorts. And again, you could do that also, and then and then water pop those boards and and give it a different look altogether. So there you go. Just a cool, uh, just a just a few suggestions on how to customize the floor with uh, not a, I, when I say not a whole lot of work. Believe me, Rob and I we know that it this all this is uh, is hard work. But uh, all things considered, and put it in perspective. Uh, and if you have any pictures out there, Rob and I love to see them. And uh, just so uh, I'll throw our emails out there. It's uh, rob.johnson at bona.com. And mine is uh, wayne.highlander at bona.com. It's H-I-G-H-L-A-N-D-E-R. Did I tell you about my, did I tell you about my, uh, about the Highlander story? I must have told you that. No, let's hear it. All right, real quick. So the movie Highlander, when it came out, do you know anything about that movie? The guy had these superpowers? No, I, you know what? I That's a movie I... I should have seen before. I haven't seen it. No. So the movie Highlander came out. I want to say it was probably in the eighties or nineties. And I had honestly, I, I had not seen this movie until Todd McDonald in Michigan and I were on a camping trip in uh, Canada. And that's the first time I seen that movie. And that was about five or six years ago. But the guy in the movie, this guy Highlander had all these superpowers, right? So, uh, one night I'm at home and the phone rings. And uh, this guy goes, uh, he goes, this Highlander? I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, Highlander, huh? You little punk. You think you got all these superpowers? And he was, you know, it was, a, it was a crank phone call, right? And I could hear his buddy in the background laughing. So, so, so I. All right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I just want to make sure I got the setup right. Yeah. Guy from Highlander has superpowers. Yeah. Your name is Highlander and somebody looks you up in the phone book. Yes. And sees Highlander. Exactly. Yeah. And calls you. Calls me. Okay. Okay. It calls you. Yeah. And starts mocking you. Of course. So I, uh, <laughs> so I, I hang up the phone, you know, we exchange some pleasantries and I hung up the phone. He calls back. He goes, yeah, Highlander, you got a problem? What you, you're Highlander, you're going to do, do about it. So, uh, so I hang up the phone again. So my wife comes home 
And I said, okay, Jude, I said, don't, don't pick up the phone. Don't do nothing. And I said, I want you to star 69 this and, and tell them you're with UPS and you have a package that you need to deliver, but the address is, is messed up on it somehow. So she, and I told her the, the deal. So she was very professional. So this guy gives me his address, right? So this address was at the uh, athlete storm in Cal Berkeley. Okay. So the next day I go down and next night I go down there after work. I've been thinking about this guy all day. Right. So I go back, <laughs> I, go, I go to the athlete storm at Berkeley. Now, in order to get into the dorm, you got to have like, you know, you like a key card. Right. So, I, I, but I just follow some other guys in there and I'm sure they look at me and they go, well, the guy belongs. He's obviously an athlete. So, and, um, Back in those days, you know, he had to play football. Uh, he played football. Uh, back in those days, I was lifting weights every day. So, so anyhow, I, okay. So, so I go to the guy's room and I knock on his door, right? And uh, he doesn't answer. So I, I there was a sharpie in the hallway, and, there, and I got a piece of paper and I and I wrote on, on the, and I said, "You ever call my house again?" And then you know, he had some words, and then uh, so I I, uh, I slipped a note under his door, right? So I go home that night. I'm, I'm watching TV about ten thirty at night. The phone rings, and this guy goes, "Hey, um, um, is this um, is this Highlander?" I go, "Yeah, that's right." <laughs> he goes, um, "We're uh, we're uh, we were you were you were you over here tonight?" I go, "That's right." I said, let me tell you something. You ever call my house again? I said, I will, you know, knock you out. I had all these words, right? You know, I was a kid. And then uh, he goes, he goes, I'm sorry, Mr. Highlander. I will, we'll never do it again. I, I apologize. We just, Mr. Highlander. Yeah, now it's Mr. Highlander. So then he goes, before he hangs up, he goes, uh, how did you know where we lived? I said, I'm Highlander. How do you think I know where you live? And I hung up. <laughs> Love that story. I don't know where that where that guy is today, but I promise you, he'll he he's telling this story as many times as I told the story. He's still probably figuring out how I found out where he lived. So anyhow, that is awesome, man. Great story. Okay, guys, great way to end it, man. Yep. So uh, thank you guys again for our, our your listenership. Uh, Rob and I never take it for granted, and uh, we feel privileged to have people listen to us from time to time. So uh, thank you again, and. Uh, this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob, and please stay tuned for another episode.